Hey there, and welcome to the Heroic Hour, the podcast where we discuss and bring together technology, leadership, and culture to give you a little heroic TLC to get mission ready for life. I'm your host, Nicholas McGill, Chief Experience Officer for Heroic Media. Thank you so much for joining us on episode lucky number seven. And today I'm going to talk to you about how to bring your own bravery and be your own X factor in the meeting room. And more specifically, I'm going to talk about how to confidently rock the meeting room to ensure your ideas get a fair shake. I'm going to get you mission ready to tell truth to power, whether you're staring down your boss or that group mob mentality in the meeting room so that you can confront and address the bias and the bigotry that can sabotage your efforts and kill your ideas. Sounds pretty badass, right? But before we get into all of that, I want to share this. This podcast is sponsored by my company, Heroic Media, and I'm basically here to give you that 10-course taste test of some strategical and tactical nuggets, the insights and lessons learned from our professional engagements, as well as our methodologies. If you like what you hear, if you align with our culture, and you're looking to build a growth engine and get some entrepreneurship initiatives going inside your organization, or you just need to figure out new ways to light a fire under the asses of your team, please check us out at getheroic.com. And if you want to impress your boss or HR manager, you can have them check out our corporate site at heroic.org. That's H-E-R-O-I-K.org. But if you want to see articles and all the fun stuff and the cool cultural stuff, go to getheroic.com. That's heroic.org to impress your boss so I can come speak at your company. And getheroic.com if you already work at a fun place with a bunch of great people and you want to make it even better, okay? All right, without further ado, let's get started. Okay, inevitably, at some, if not many points in your career, it's going to happen. You're going to go into a meeting. You're going to pitch an idea, a project, or something you care about and believe in, or something that you think could add major value and be a major win for the organization. And you'll walk in, outnumbered and outgunned, and and suddenly you'll be face-to-face with bigotry and prejudice in some form or another. It's going to happen at multiple points in your career. And there's lots, there's many different kinds of bigotry out there. There's, There's the obvious kinds that discriminate against... Uh, ethnicity, gender, and culture that weed out those ideas for those reasons. And and these are generally not tolerated anymore, especially in work culture. And they're limited to more subdued and subtle and indirect illustrations uh, or manifestations. You usually see these ones coming, though. And there's also forms of bigotry that are more unique to or the, the workplace and the organization. Um, and, and these are closed mindsets that are often tolerated and, and enabled and if not openly endorsed by the organizational culture. And here's a few examples of what I mean by that. Uh, you know, uh, there's the silo wars that go on where, where people from sales hate the people from marketing, marketing hate the people from sales, and everybody hates management. Hardware teams hate software engineers because the software teams snub their nose at the hardware teams. Um, and this, this goes on for between manufacturing and engineering. And if your organization has uh, temporary workers or independent contractors who work w- within the organization, usually their ideas, too, are often dismissed because they're not one of us, right? They don't belong here. 
uh, my, my point is this, is that the business units tend to hate each other and they feel that they compete, even though they're all part of the same team, ultimately. And when you think about it, what we're really talking about here is anything that is causing people to categorically dismiss the opinions of others and hate them for um, differing uh, opinions or, or perspectives, it's usually bigotry in action. Dismissing ideas just because, you know, somebody likes to listen to Coldplay, that's an example of bigotry. Bigotry, of course, extends beyond the silos, and you run into more uh, blatant and subtle forms of bigotry towards the young, the old, the gay, the straight, and so on. And those are kind of the more common forms that, that we deal with in larger amounts these days. And this type of dysfunctional culture happens every day at top businesses around the globe. And bigotry just isn't narrowed to uh, culture or class or ethnicity and gender. It also comes down to the way we think of ideas and, and the people who hold them. And, you know, a, a more common form of bigotry you're more likely to run into throughout your career um, that is still pervasive and not often really discussed is, is, is ageism, right? In the workplace, ideas are dismissed or given weighted value because of the person presenting's age, right? The, the generation wars are still alive and well. There's an unspoken bias that assumes the older that you are, the wiser you are. And now in many uh, younger tech uh, startups and, and younger companies, the exact opposite is happening where older people are being discriminated against and excluded because it's difficult to teach old dogs new tricks, right? Who wants to hire the old guy? How much shelf life does he have left? So on and so forth. So there's a lot of bigotry going on there uh, too. And so you need to be aware of these, all of these different forms uh, before you deal with all of the workplace dynamics before you go in to pitch your ideas. You need to be aware of the conditions of the workplace uh, and the culture that you're dealing with. So as you get ready and equipped to give that rock star presentation and to share your ideas and to attend those meetings, uh, one of the things you need to do uh, to get prepared to handle a business effectively is to remember to wear your cape. And this is an acronym, uh, this is a mindfulness reminder for your character, alignment, purpose, and energy. And speaking of character, when I'm talking about character, what I'm saying is bring your own bravery. Be brave enough to be yourself. Tell yourself you're brave enough to be yourself, and you'll become that way. I know it sounds odd, but it's, it's true. And it really requires you to know yourself, to know your values, what you believe in, and why. And also to know your valued behaviors, the actions you take and are willing to take to stay true to who you are. This is incredibly important, so bring your own bravery. This is core to developing character. This also requires the, a degree of authenticity, being comfortable with who you are, where you are, with what you have. Aware and appreciative of both your strengths and your weaknesses in equal measure. This is as true for the person as it is for the brand and the culture of an organization. It's true for you. It's a scalable concept. You should practice it. Another aspect that you should practice is alignment and ensure that your ideas are aligned to fit the culture and capabilities and core business of the organization that you are serving. You want to ensure that your ideas are freaking wicked smart to begin with. They're well thought through to begin with as well. And I'm assuming here that you go into a meeting that for some reason or another that you're a subject matter in something and that you know your shit. And if you come in the, uh, against the face of opposition, not everyone who disagrees with you is a bigot. And if you label them that way or you think of them that way, then you're a bigot, right? So be sure your ideas are good to begin with, that they're aligned with the goals of the project and the company of the, in the first place. 
That's really critical to preparing you to succeed in that meeting. Your ideas are good and they're aligned and fit for what you're trying to achieve and the culture of the organization as well. Next, we have purpose, right? Remember your coworkers, even in the worst case scenario, even from other departments, they're temporary enemies at, you know, at worst. They're more long-term neighbors and friends. You share a common goal that is bringing you together uh, in the first place, something that you need to solve or address. That's your purpose. So though you need to prepare uh, for debate, you know, you kind of need to be ready for war. You also have to remember and realize that the communication in, in any type of meeting is, is ultimately really a more of a negotiation. And it is often in alignment with the goal to keep everyone at the table communicating respectfully and effectively. This doesn't mean putting up with bullshit or getting walked on. You can remember purpose and remind others to realign to that shared purpose as well. Okay, finally, the E in CAPE stands for energy. You can win with energy alone. Being enthusiastic and passionate about your ideas is essential. It is a force multiplier. If you cannot get excited or enthusiastic about your ideas, project plan, or solution, then A, I don't think it's probably a good solution, and B, you can at least get excited about the collaboration and brainstorming you're about to have with peers to find a, the, the right solution together. Now, if you show up enthusiastic, the Eeyores of the room uh, who try to deflate that energy and, and kill your ideas will look like jackasses if they're just trying it to, to bring down the energy of the room alone. This gives you a leg up in any meeting. You can also be enthusiastically opposed to an idea too. But again, you better be wicked smart um, you better have the facts and reasons on your side, and it better be aligned to the core capabilities uh, and, and, and goals of the organization as well. But my point here is bring the energy. Remember to bring the energy. So these are the four things that make your cape. Character, alignment, purpose, and energy. And at Heroic, inside the organization, we talk about this concept, whether we're building personal brands and products or cultures and capes for the entire organization. You'll hear me talk about this again and again. Now, here's another thing to think about before you go into a meeting, and that is be your own X factor. And you can do that by packing a parachute, a backup plan, a best alternative uh, if, if the thing that you want to happen doesn't happen. Now, when, when people think of backup plans, what I mean by backup plan, what I mean by packing a parachute is I mean a clear, specific plan, not a general idea. People make the mistake of thinking a backup plan is, well, if this doesn't work, I'll magically get a job elsewhere or something like that. That's not a plan. That's a plan to defer planning until later, right? That's like saying, if I jump out of the plane, I'll figure out how to make a parachute as I fall out of the sky. That's not realistic. A well-thought, thorough backup plan will give you far more confidence in the room because you know exactly what you'll do if the meeting doesn't go the way you want it to, if you don't get the outcome that you want. And because you know what you'll do, no matter what, worst case scenario, this gives you the ability, the power, and the freedom of walking away unscathed. And it allows you to, to basically stare down um, the opposition and say, hey, go ahead, push the button, blow a hole in the plane. I've got a parachute. Do you? Right? You've got a parachute. This gives you superpowers in any organization, in any meeting, in any negotiation, because you've got the ability to walk away and the plan to know exactly what's going to happen if you don't get an agreement, right? Uh, you have a plan, it, you, you know, there, there are, this liberates you to be passionate, tenacious, accurate, and, and 
respectful. That's really important because with great power comes great responsibility. The good backup plan is not uh, does not give you a license to be a prick. It's not a license uh, to, to be a coward either. It's not a license to run away from having spirited discussion and debate. It's a license to be measured and respectful and free from the fear of being cornered or, or facing some horrible unknown. This is a license for you to be the best version, the heroic version of yourself in the meeting room. Have a backup plan. This is what brings you that X factor, that force multiplier, that backup plan, that parachute, because you're prepared for the the worst case scenario or the, the you know the best alternative to uh, no agreement. So those are all internal personal things you can do. There's also some external environmental stewardship you need to be doing to increase your success in the meeting room and and maximizing the vibrancy of the discussion as well as the culture outside of the meeting room. And I'm going to give you some tips now. One is to remember the heroic golden rule. You're going to hear me say it over and over again in, in just about every episode I can think that it'll serve you in. And the golden rule states this, cultivate that which serves you and hit the eject button on that which does not. This means be a steward of the values and behaviors that, that you find empowering and effective. Be a steward of the culture that you want to work, uh, live, and play in. And this means letting the world know that you're willing to throw down against bigotry and stupidity. And it also means taking ownership of, of your part to build and embody the culture that you want to have in the workplace. There's also a lot more responsibility there. You know, you need to take the time to challenge your assumptions, your stereotypes, and, and your own possible bigotries. This is what it means to know yourself and really be authentic. You have to be able to challenge your own ideas so that you can make better decisions about the filters and, and blinders you operate with on your day-to-day. -day. My third tip here is, is, out of all the things to do to curate your environment, you want to kill the idea that it is acceptable to use personal attacks to create leverage in any communication. Make them unacceptable. Make bigotry and stupidity unacceptable and encourage debate and discussion because debate is not the enemy. Hurt feelings are not the problem. Debate is about comparing and contrasting ideas and allowing them to compete to discover what the best path is. Feelings still get hurt in debate. People are passionate, right? There will be tears, but bad ideas deserve to die. Good ideas deserve to die and great ideas deserve to get launched. Welcome to the big leagues. Welcome to adulting. This is what's going to keep you in, in the big room, right? Don't go into the room if you expect anything more than this. I don't care if you're working in a nonprofit or wherever. If you're, if you're not weeding out the bad and mediocre initiatives, you're wasting resources. So you've got your cape and you've packed your parachute and, and you've proactively chased out all the snakes from the area. And, and now you're ready for the meeting, right? You walk in, the discussion starts. There's more of the, those who oppose you than there are of you. Or your boss is in the room and he disagrees with you. And as the discussion begins, somebody in there starts to take a big dump all over your idea, not because or not having anything to do with your pitch or the merits of the idea or the case that you make, but because you are the one doing it. They're coming after you personally. This is usually deeply rooted in, in, in bigotry or somebody who's anchoring in that to come after you. You may see this coming. You may see people across the table licking their lips, looking at you like the piece of fresh meat in the prison ward, right? And then someone throws his first punch to test you, to challenge you, and it hits you on the nose. 
So, so what happens when you start to hear, when it goes, I, I don't want to call it unprofessional, but it is unprofessional, but it's, it's tolerated. It's allowed. It is a personal attack to attack your idea. And it's tolerated by those in the room, unless you have an awesome epic heroic culture that says, we don't tolerate that. That's not a way to address a, a, a debate or discussion. That's a personal attack. That's an ad hominem attack. So how do you respectfully navigate that moment and seize the day? Well, I'm going to give you some tips that I've used. And I will tell you, um, I started consulting at a really young age. So I've done it, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly way. And I've learned a lot from it. I started consulting with executives for big corporate organizations when I was 17 year old, years old. So you can imagine how bad I was at it at first. Now, first off, this is the one good thing I had going for me, which was, you know, I'm not the person who's going to shy, shy away from uh, confrontation. You can, you can run from the fight and suffer a miserable existence and not be the one who elevates their, their profile in the room, or you can show some grit and earn some respect of those in the room. So I recommend by soft, softly uh, addressing the issue first. And by that, I mean calling attention to why you specifically were invited into the room. You have a certain level of expertise that got you into the room in the first place. Remind them of that and ask them to respect that. Then remind the room of why they're in the room too. If you're the outside talent, point out the need that they had a need for outside talent and outside input. If they had it all figured out and truly had a great plan, there would be no need for a discussion at all, right? Remind the room that everyone is there because of a common goal, a common need, and, and you know, you're to be a respected and valued member. And because you have your backup plan, you've got your parachute, you will be able to deliver this message with a level of conviction that is essential, that cape, that character alignment, purpose, and energy. Part of that is the conviction knowing that when you say this, you mean it and you're willing to stake uh, your involvement on these things. Number two, um, point out and say how ad hominem attacks do not address the merits of your ideas and they are a distraction from the mission, uh, the goal, and the reason that you're meeting, to get to, meeting together, right? Say this loud and proud. Ad hominem attacks do not address your, the merits of your ideas. This is important. These are, they are a distraction. And if you point this out, that people are drifting away or the specific person who's coming at you with a personal attack is you know uh, that they're drifting away from the mission and goal. This ensures that everybody is accountable to alignment of whatever the the mission is. You're gonna you, you know my third tip: beat that drum of the big goal and mission. Personal attacks are toxic symptoms of a dysfunctional team. You say that, say it, practice it, tell the group, not not just the person, the entire group. The personal attacks are a form of mission drift. And, and just add the word respectfully in the beginning of this, right? So like respectfully, I'd like to keep us fo focused on, on the mission and on target. This implies that the behavior that was just demonstrated was out of alignment with the goals of the meeting. Practice these, memorize them, edit them, make them your own, put it in your own language. These are as soft as they get. And if they sound super hard to you, you might not be ready for some of the bigger meetings and the bigger pitches you're gonna have to make in, in your, your career. You need to be able to call people to the mat on alignment. You need to do it in that environment. These are, these are as soft as they get. You need to be soft but firm, especially when it comes to personal attacks. And the reason uh, that you need to address this so head on and where it happens is because like it or not, people are influenced by those personal attacks. 
um, when someone says, yeah, but you listen to Coldplay and, and everybody gets a laugh out of, out of it, even though it's it's not meant in a serious way, it chips away at the true acceptance and value of your arguments. Do not allow it to chip away at the percentage of likelihood of success uh, that you're going to have selling your idea. These are the soft yet firm first line of defense against personal attacks. And we ain't done yet because, you know, as you may know, all dogs bark, right? And that first attempt and that soft measured response might not dissuade um, the people in the meeting from attempting to make things uh, personal or continuing on those that line of commentary. Right. So you you continue on with the meeting, you're going through the features, the benefits, the possibilities, the strengths, the weaknesses. And then someone says, oh, yeah, but, uh, you know, who are you? You like Coldplay. And you have to re resist the urge to make a joke and say, yeah, I like Coldplay. I listen to Yellow while making love to your mama. Right. She likes it, too. Do you have a problem with that? Don't you want your mom to be happy? Now, before you fall for that trap and no, I've never done that before, um, you want to elevate things in a respectful way. So without missing a beat. If, if, if the behavior continues, right, you, you want to, you don't want to pivot the argument to, to be about that. You want to instantly go right back to the purpose and core goal of this meeting is X. You want to say that. You want to say the purpose and core goal of this meeting is X and you fill in whatever X is, right? And, you know, and you can ask them, the, who's ever inserting those comments because these do happen. It is crazy. Even at the top of the food chain in the Fortune 100, these types of things happen every day. You can confront the people head on and say, would you care to tell me how liking Coldplay helps us get this done or has a bearing on the value of the, dis of the discussion um, beyond the distraction? Now you have now called out the behavior as a distraction. Yet again, you're calling them out. You can also give them the cold water response, look them in the eye, smile confidently, and try to hold the group in silence if you were the last one speaking. You can allow the silence to linger and make sure that there's a pause so that people process what was just said. Because it's, it, people tend to remember what is said at the end, right? And so you give that, that natural end to call attention to what was just said. Then you can move on to your next point as soon as they it is anchored in their mind. Use the silence to your advantage. You have now graciously held your sacred ground without adding to the distraction, but ensuring that it is highlighted without uh, further engagement. So you're still, you're calling them out, you're holding your ground, but you're keeping the meeting focused. You know, the meeting goes on and someone says something like, I can see how this might impress or resonate with a millennial mind, but, right, this now you're hearing ageism, right? You're hearing that right there. I can see how it resonates with the millennials, Right there, this is the below the belt, unprofessional, and all too common ageist moves. And this is when you get to do something a little bit more uh, more firm, a little bit even more direct, and, and again, firm but respectful confrontation. And you can call this out, and here's something you can reword in your own terms, but here's, here's an example. You can ask this question. Always, by the way, always ask questions. Put everything you're, you're thinking, put it in the form of a question, because then it... it it gives it a veil of innocence. It give, makes it more of open-ended and it gives the other party time to process what they're doing and allows them to pivot and gives them the, a gracious out to pivot back and be on topic. So here's the question you ask. Are we designing a solution for a time point where my ideas and views are somehow irrelevant? Does the company, company have a plans to build a time machine to alter the marketplace conditions that we're here to address together? 
Or are we trying to come together to build a growth engine for the digital age that I'm literate in and native in and others find a hard time adjusting to? So use the ageism um, to your advantage. Call out the market conditions of the here and the now and why it's relevant and how many, you know, oftentimes in many models, there's a lot of disruption that is yet to take place and there's a lot more at risk and on the line. And most uh, people want to be seen or perceived as forward thinking, not backward thinking. So you can leverage this to your advantage in the room. But always, always, always with this power comes responsibility. Do it in a respectful way. Otherwise, you'll just look like the, the villain. Remember, um, remember to wear your cape. Remember to show up with that character. Be the person that you want to be. Be the heroic version of yourself that you want to be. And, and that's not a bully. You know, character, alignment, purpose, and energy. Remember to bring your cape. Remember to wear your cape. Pack a parachute and a backup plan for the best alternative for when things go south. Be firm, respectful, and direct. Assert your boundaries. Shift focus back onto the goals and alignment with, with uh, the discussion in terms of discussing ideas on their merits. And if that doesn't work, take them to the woodshed in the environment where the 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 bias, prejudice, or bigotry happens. Do not wait to pull them aside. It will not go the way you want. I do not care what organizational psychologists say about pulling people aside. It's ineffective. It doesn't work. And a majority of the time, the person who is perceived as weaker or the ideas that get killed, the project idea that gets killed, those people get fired. They never tell you the end of that little fairy tale, by the way, but I will. I've seen it happen. You do not want to lose percentage points of, of a likelihood of success because you, you were the nicer guy or girl and allowed or endured some stupid comments to go unaddressed in the group. You have to set the tone and command value and respect in the room to warrant and defend your position in the room in the first place. And bear in mind, when you're reading articles from Psychology Today or from organizational psychologists, a majority of them get hired to consult. Who hires them? The organization. So they tend to write things that would benefit uh, the bias of, of those at the higher end of the food chain of the organization. Uh, and I'm talking about creating win-wins throughout the organization, but also standing for the aspirational culture of the organization and taking care of the little guy. If, you, if an organization doesn't take care of its people, there can be no trust, there is no integrity, and all hell will break loose sooner, if not later, and in so many avenues uh, uh, throughout the organization. So anyway, that's how you rock the meeting room. That's how you earn respect. That's how you show a little crazy. Um, just enough for people to respect you and not mess with you and take your ideas at their merits. Those are the tips that I have that, that I can use to, to keep this brief. If you'd like more, if, if you want to talk about some of the issues you're facing, you can go on our website at getheroic.com and schedule a cup of clarity with me. That's a digital one-on-one -on -one with yours truly. And I can give you more tips and, and more specific uh, advice on what to do. I've done it all, good, bad, and ugly. I've made plenty of mistakes, and I've been gracious enough to work with some real professionals and then some real tools as well. And the goal is always find a way to be empowered, preserve your boundaries, remember your cape, and do it in a respectful but direct confrontational kind of way with respect and giving them an opportunity to realign and join the good team, the winning team. Okay, well, okay, so this has been kind of how to rock the meeting room, and I've just about, that's just about all I've got, and uh, if you like this episode, please do me a favor, write us a review, we're on iTunes, write us a review, subscribe to the podcast, check out our site at getheroic.com, that's heroic spelled with a K, as in kick-ass, not, you know, not with a C, 
So spell it like a Swedish rock band. Speaking of rock bands, let's rock out and I'll catch you on the next episode. Hey there, and welcome to the Hidden Track After Party. For those of you who stuck around and listened and rocked out and are just enjoying life and trying to be the most heroic version of yourself, um, just a quick quick note here. Uh, that was episode seven, and it took me uh, quite a few drafts, so I apologize on how long that took to uh, get produced. Um, I try to provide condensed nuggets uh, for... For you guys to make sure that uh, it's more digestible form. I know some of these have gone long. Um, I hope to keep them presentable and awesome, but it takes me quite quite a few drafts to get there. I tend to be a verbose guy, but uh, stay tuned to this little hidden track session. I'm going to do more of this, so I'll be revealing some 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 freebies. Oh, you know what? Speaking of freebies, how about this? If you're listening to this right now, I will give you a free entry into our Heroic Insider Group. And specifically, the, the reason you should join our Heroic Insider Group, if for one thing to benefit you uh, personally and professionally, there is a section in that group called Needs, Deals, and Wants, where if you're on my Insider Group, you're in my Rolodex, you're a dynamic person in my life and I care about you. And so when you share uh, something that you need, a deal that you're trying to work on to make happen, or, or you simply just want want something, whatever it is, and you share that need in that particular channel, in that room, well, there's an army of people there or just like-minded, growth-minded people who are there to help you out. That alone is worth the price of admission. So if you hear this, um, let's use a super code. Let's say, okay, the passcode will be I am heroic. Put it in your application when you go to getheroic.com and apply somewhere in there. Put the word code and then I am heroic. That will let me know that you listened all the way through to the hidden track section and that you're out there rocking out to this music because you like it too. Um, And if not, let me know and comment on there and say, yeah, I listened, but I freaking hated it, dude. Will you stop doing that? That's okay too. Anyway, let's rock out again. Take care. (laughs) Yeah.